Welcome to Simply Happy, a show where you'll be learning how to shift into a more positive perspective in easy-to-manage steps. Who am I? My name's Olivia. I'm a mother, a wife, the driven woman behind SimplyAlley.com, and someone who ditched bipolar, anxiety, and depression through mastering my mindset and emotions. So let's chat about some tips that have helped transform my life and many others, because life doesn't need to look perfect to be happy. Hey there, what's up? It's your girl, Olivia, coming at you with a bonus episode of Simply Happy. Now, on today's bonus episode, I am chatting with Bruce Serban. Now, Bruce Serban is the author of Pull the Stick Out of Your ASS, Real Life Strategies to Help You Face Your Fears, Stop Your Worrying, and Live Your Best Life. Now, Bruce is going to introduce himself in just a moment and share his story with you. But I wanted to explain to you why I wanted to have Bruce come on the show. And it's because I thought it would be so valuable to have that male perspective of what it's like living with really intense anxiety and also moving through that. Plus, I really love Bruce's straightforward approach, as you can tell by the title of his book. So without further ado, dive on into this episode. It is full of it's just such good conversations, so many good takeaways, and I think it's going to help everyone, whether you're male, female, non-binary, whatever it is. Um, It's just a really great episode to listen to. So enjoy. All right. Well, I am so excited to have you on the show, Bruce. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. Now, I love to start off the top of the conversation with a question. Um, which is tell us a little bit about what it is that you do to help more people become simply happy. Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing for me was just coming forward with my story just to give people hope and and to know that they can get better. You know, I know how tough it is struggling, you know, with your mental health. And I certainly wasn't in a happy place when I was going Mm -hmm. through that. And, you know, by sharing my story, writing my book, you know, I, I, I'm hoping anyway, my main goal was really to just, again, give people hope and, and, and like you said, bring happiness to their lives and knowing that, look, I can get better. You know, there is that light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And of course, like, can you share a little bit about your story for everyone listening? Of course, go read the book so you get the whole spectrum. <laughs> but, but. Sure. You know, so for me, it, it all started, I think, you know, just growing up as a kid, you know, I think I had a fairly normal childhood, but I was always that real, you know, worry word, you know, uptight kind of personality. I was always worried about the things going on around me, mm-hmm. always even worried about the things not going on directly around me that I had absolutely no control over <laughs> that didn't impact me. And, but, you know, but despite that, like I said, it was a fairly normal childhood. And then, you know, after college, um, things started to go downhill pretty quickly. And, you know, that, that daily anxiety, that daily worry, you know, started turning into panic attacks. And and I'll never forget, I'm at my first, you know, real job after school. And one day I, I just start feeling really strange, you know, kind of out of body and, you know, I start shaking and I've got all these crazy, you know, negative wild thoughts running through my head. And, and I seriously think I'm either about to pass out or die. And, and I've just got that, you know, that fight or flight, you know, sensation that we've, you know, all yeah. heard so much about. And 
I'll never forget. I just bolted to the hospital, bolted to the emergency room, and I ran in there. And I'm like, something's wrong. I'm having a heart attack. Something's going on. And you know, they they quickly got me feeling pretty good. Whatever they whatever they shot me up with. Um, but and after that, you know, the the attacks, the panic attacks, just kept coming to the point for me where I just started avoiding things. You know, I was afraid yeah. to go out and actually experience. A panic attack you know what if i'm out at the store what if i'm out driving and and i get this you know these awful bodily sensations and what if i just pass out and die there and it just you know this escalated so out of control where i could barely leave the house and Mm -hmm. it just wasn't really a good place to be and and that's how i was you know at my worst yeah yeah and then what was kind of your your journey to to getting better (sighs) you know i i think there's a lot of things um you know, I don't think it was just one thing in particular. Yeah. You know, one of the biggest things certainly was just learning to let go, just learning to, to loosen up, lighten up. You know, I'll never forget one time when I landed myself in the ER with a really bad panic attack. This doctor just, you know, he looked at me and he was real direct and he said, son, you know, you just got to learn to to let go and, and loosen up a little bit because you're just you're going to hurt your health in the long run. And I know for some reason those words kind of just stuck with me. Mm-hmm. But I I think that was definitely a part of it, you know, just learning to just let go or is the title of my book is, you know, pull that stick out, if you will. <laughs> um, it was that it was certainly, you know, medication. It was a lot of therapy. And I think one of the biggest things that, that I would encourage for anybody is just having a really strong support system around me. I mean, my parents were great about it. My wife was fantastic about it and just, you know, really played a huge role in, in helping me get to, to being better. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And it, it's always fascinating to me, too, that there will just be these like very random pivotal moments where it could have been something you've heard a thousand times before, but all of a sudden it clicks and you're like, yeah, yeah, I should do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah and again for me i'll just i never forget that doctor looking at me and just saying you've gotta you know just learn to, to let go and, and and that's that's what i did you know i just finally decided that you know i need to make a whole lot of changes in my life where i'm not so worried all the time you know and mm-hmm. and the things i was worrying about too like i said these were things that I, in many cases, just could not control, you know, that that were totally outside of my control and just making that realization, why am I getting myself so worked up? And it it could have even been something, you know, as simple as something, an event, you know, six months down the road and I would start thinking about it and obsessing about it and and thinking the absolute worst about it. And it just, it, it was no good, you know, comes out of doing that. Right, right. And it's so, it's so interesting because it's like, I don't know where that starts. I think it's different for everybody. But just that whole idea of like, if I just think about it enough, I'll be able to like either prepare enough or control the outcome or whatever it is. Um, We're just, I mean, I think we're taught as a society, as a culture that it's just, um, everything's just scary. (laughs) Yeah, you know that. And I know for me in particular, it was definitely in my upbringing. I mean, my parents were phenomenal love them to death mm-hmm. but you know my mom was always that very you know I see where I get it from you know, just <laughs> always very you know helicoptering is that the term helicopter yeah. parenting you know just always very oh what's going on is everything okay can I help you with anything let me do this for you and and just overly concerned to the point where you know well look you know I, I know exactly where I got it from and you know not not so surprised that that's, <laughs> that's the way I ended up so 
Yeah. Yeah. And I want to like, I want to circle back to something that I think is so common for a lot of people, just that whole, um, like avenue of avoidance where it's like, okay, like you, rather than being like, I don't know why we default to it, but rather than being like, okay, well, let me teach myself how to get through those moments. Right. We're like, I'm just going to avoid all the moments like to the point where, yeah, people will end up like the, it's so hard to leave their own homes. You know, for me anyway, it was easier to avoid it because when you're talking Mm -hmm. about something as scary and and real as as a panic attack, you know, that's not something you want to have to go through. And it's easier to say, I'll just stay inside and not deal with it, you know, and and, and just brush it off like that. But really, that's not doing you any good. You know, the only way I think to really overcome it to, to get better is to actually face it is to go out there and face the things that are you know that are scaring you you know to face those body symptoms you know when your heart's pounding and you're short of breath and you're shaking it's to actually go through it and you know learn to calm yourself down learn to just you know slow your body down and you know ultimately realize this this isn't going to kill me i can work through this it's it's big it's scary and it's something that i, I certainly don't want to feel but the only way that it's you know ever going to get better is if i face it head on and, and actually force myself to go out of the house and to go into those situations that bring on the feelings yeah yeah i agree so much and i think that's where we can kind of see the difference is that the scary thing isn't actually outside in the world. It's like it's inside us and that's why it can just follow us everywhere. It really, you know, it's like you can't really ultimately avoid it, unfortunately. <laughs> right. You know, that, and that's the thing for me. It, it wasn't the, the supermarket. It wasn't the highway. It wasn't the airplane. It was how I was feeling, you know, that I was so scared of. And, you know, just as I you know, learn to, to, to fear these things and to fear those, you know, feelings, you know, I, at the same time could ultimately learn to, to overcome that and, and learn to, to control it and, and, and work through it. And, you know, and I think it's the kind of thing too, where for me anyway, is recognizing that, that these things can still happen. You know, I can still get these feelings. I mean, they don't come around as, as much as they used to. And, Mm -hmm. and I've certainly gotten a lot better at it, but you know, every once in a while, just, you know, out of the blue, it's like, here it comes. You know, sneak back up on you again just to see if, you know, if you you still got it, if you can still face me and take me on. And and yeah, just recognizing that it's okay if it does come back. You know, that's not a sign that you're reverting back to the way that you were. But, you know, and and just, you know, knowing that you can work through it and and get past it. Yes. I love that you brought that point up, too, because I think that's everyone's like like ultimate terror is like well what if i get better and then it comes back and it's like the boogeyman (laughs) you know that and that happened to me a couple months ago i was out i was driving right and Mm -hmm. it's something i haven't had a problem with in a really long time and i was on this kind of a long stretch of highway which back in the day you know that was always like the problem it was Mm -hmm. when those exits were you know kind of spread out far apart it's like i can't get off of here you know And that happened to me a couple months ago. I was driving and I'm like, wow, it's like six or seven miles to the next exit. And your mind just starts playing these games and the thoughts start coming in. And it's like, 
like, you know, no, I, I've got to take control of this and just calm down and talk myself out of it and just, you know, make it pass. So, yeah. but yeah, it still likes to, to try to sneak up every so often. Yeah. And I think like what I love to teach my students too, is it's like, you know, like bipolar anxiety or depression are just amplifications, right. Of, of, of our regular emotions. So like we can feel anxious and be like, wait, whoa. Like, I mean, we were driving through the mountains one day and it was like, okay, we're about to run out of gas. We have two kids in the back seat. It is the middle of the night and we don't know if this is actually a gas station a few miles ahead or if it's if it's going to be like closed down. So it was one of those where, yeah, it could totally be like, okay, I'm feeling a little bit of nerves, like a little anxious, but at the same time, it's like, okay, I can just like lean in, trust a little bit, know that like I can handle this. I got this. And so it's like it's normal you know there are situations where you're going to feel anxious especially situations yeah where you might have even previously had like more intense experiences yeah and you know to add to that i'll I'll even tell you there's a a, an acronym that that someone once told me and it's so true when you talk about you know amplifying at least anxiety you know Mm -hmm. and and it's halts h-a-l-t-s which stands for hungry angry lonely tired or stressed Mm -hmm. and i know for me personally you know if i'm feeling any one of those things on a given day, you know, I'm already in a, you know, more predisposed to Mm -hmm. feel anxiety because I know if I'm hungry, if I'm tired or whatever it is, you know, just I'm sort of setting myself up. My body is just more predisposed to, okay, it it can affect me more. It doesn't mean it always will, but I know that it can. And I'm kind of always looking out for those things just to make sure I've eaten or gotten a good night's sleep or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And can we, oh my goodness, can we just draw the beautiful parallel that college was this very big catalyst for you? And if I hear it being a catalyst for a lot of people. And in college, a lot of people tend to be <laughs> hungry and like sleep deprived <laughs> and stressed. And it's like, no wonder. <laughs> it is, you know, it's look, it's a big life change and any change like that is, is enough to give, you know, even people without anxiety, yeah. you know, anxiety, um, you know, it's like, look, you know, your first real time where you're living out on your own and you're mm-hmm. nobody's really looking over your shoulder and you know everything is on you and i think it's often played up as oh it's going to be all fun and games <laughs> and partying and look there's a little bit of that you know we're not going to lie but at the same time it, it very much is a huge life change mm-hmm. and you know certainly something that, that that threw me for a loop that i that i wasn't expecting yeah yeah and they and you know it's like yeah, I think too that that just like preconditioning of like either like it's it's both, right? Like it's going to be a party, you're going to make friends, it's going to be so much fun, but at the same time like you're probably going to be eating ramen and you're like not going to get any sleep and it's going to be super stressful and you're never going to have time. And it's like why are you feeding this to us? <laughs> like yeah. before we go in, like that's a not <laughs> like can we go in saying, "Yeah, this is a big transition. You're going to want to take extra steps to take care of yourself. Be mindful of yourself." <laughs> yeah. But no, that's not the case. <laughs> It's not. It's not. And it, it, it is a fun time. It's certainly a great time and, you know, something I think that, that everybody should experience. But, yeah, just know it, it's not always what people, you know, describe it to be like like a lot of things in life, I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think that's where that's where it's so important that no matter what stage of life you're in, prioritizing your mental health and your self-care is just is always going to be hands down important. 
Yeah, and you know the biggest thing that where where I noticed that was back in it was right around 2010 where I actually you know had to because of the recession you know the, the company that mm-hmm. I was working with was just really slow they were on the brink of going out of business and I had no choice really I knew my job was was going to be eliminated and so I went out and started my own company you know kind of embraced the life of an entrepreneur and you know I had heard I had been kind of misled along the way hearing you know oh it's you know the ultimate form of freedom and you can make mm-hmm. so much money and all this stuff and you know, and, and like you said, learning to prioritize mental health in, in, in that situation and that life change for me was really, really important because it, it was not the ultimate form of freedom or, or financial <laughs> freedom. It was a, a lot of work, a lot of responsibility and just a, a lot of doing things differently. And it, it definitely threw me for a loop. And, and I had to make that a, a huge priority, you know, back then. And, and I still do have to make that a priority even now. Yeah, for sure. That is so funny because yeah, that's what everybody says. And then if you're not, <laughs> if you're not really intentional about, you know, how you go into like starting your own business. I mean, I was the same way where it was just like, oh my gosh, I can't. I because I made the same kind of transition where I ended up leaving my job. I was, um, I I became a stay at home mom. Like so, I became a stay at home mom, and then I was like, well, I want to work. So I started my own business. Two things I never thought I'd be doing. Like I had I was never any intention of doing either. <laughs> like, yep. and um and and then yeah, it's like that, and you know, we had to like buy a house in the process, and Ooh. I was like, I need to beat mental illness in the process, <laughs> and so Ooh, wow. yeah, so it's. You know, it is one of those things where it's like life is going to throw you curveballs. Things are going to change and grow and transition. And so it's like that's why you've always got to come back to yourself and be like, I got to take care of me. <laughs> you do. And, you know, that's why I always say it's you're not being selfish by putting yourself first in, in a lot of these situations, you know. And it's like even on my busiest days, I still try to find just that you know, even 20 minutes or whatever it is, just to, to spend a few moments, you know, just kind of by myself and just to, to just unwind and, and get away from all the noise of the day. You know, it's the time to put down that phone and put down that computer and, and turn the TV off and just, just kind of, you know, spend some time with myself and, and, you know, away from the kids, away from the family. <laughs> and again, that's not selfish because I, I spend plenty of time with them and, and I love them to death, but I can't be my best if I just don't have that time each and every day. Oh, I, I agree with that so much. I, I even got into the practice of telling my, you know, my three and my six year old, I need space mm-hmm. and being like, you guys can go play in your room or do whatever you want. You know where the food is, but like, I'm going to go take my space. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, you know, I don't think it matters when you do it. You know, sometimes for me, it's in the morning. Sometimes it's at night when yeah. they go to sleep. But it doesn't matter if, if that, that just has to be a part of every day. And if it's not, it's it's, it's not good. And I'm going to start to feel things a lot more. Yeah. And I think we've, we've got to, like, rewrite that whole story that we need to, you know, it's it's great to give and it's great to support people, but not at the expense of supporting ourselves. Like, that yeah. is so important and needs to be a priority. Um, even if it doesn't, like you said, doesn't come first thing in the day, you still are making sure you make time for it. Definitely. Definitely. Couldn't agree more with you. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so, man, I feel like 
for anyone out there who especially just with everything that has just with 2020 as a whole, shall we? <laughs> if we must. If there's there's just so much happening, you know, it's what would what would you maybe, you know, give somebody a tip on to to try to get out of that space of future pacing and worrying, right? And kind of come back into themselves and be like, okay, how can I just support myself right now? Yeah, you know, I think what we all have to understand as is, even if it doesn't seem like it, eventually, and I really do believe this, eventually this will pass. Eventually life will go back to normal, you know, as we know it, you know. Um, I really do firmly believe that. And it's just kind of, you know, being, you know, keeping that optimistic attitude and, and just realizing that, you know, look, nobody likes how, how things are right now. And, and I know it, it's definitely taking a toll on a lot of us, you know, not just mm-hmm. physically, but even in terms of mental health, it, yeah. it, it can be, it can be really tough, but just know that, you know, just like just about, you know, all other crises, they, they always do pass as, as bad as they are and as much of a toll as they take on people, it is going to pass, you know, eventually, you know, we will be getting back out there and, and doing the things that we all love and just, you know, try to stay optimistic in, in, in the meantime. And you know what I do sometimes is just, you know, like, even if I'm just, you know, feeling it, cause I spend a lot of time at home between, you know, working at home and now there's really nowhere to go, but mm-hmm. just hopping in the car by myself and just cranking up the radio, putting yes. the windows down and just, just driving around just to kind of get out there and, and feel, you know, connected to myself and just, again, getting out of the house and just feeling a little normal and kind of just pumping myself up with some good, you know, upbeat music or, you know, that's just what works for me, but whatever it is that, that, makes you feel good, you know, certainly just embrace that and, and, and do more of it. Yes. Ah, I love that. Just, you know, finding your little slice of normalcy, if you will. <laughs> You're like, exactly. It doesn't matter what it is, but yeah. whatever, you know, whatever works for you, just do it more. Yes, for sure. For sure. And, and I think that's so important. I think this is, I, I, you know, I, I agree with you like this, you know, it, it might change things, but like, it, I don't think it's, it's not going to feel this tense for forever, you know? And I think that that's, especially when you're dealing with even anxiety, that's what it feels like. Like, this is just going to never stop. And, it does, but again, everything, you know, it, it runs yeah. its course eventually, even, you know, despite how negative it might be and, and how, you know, severe and serious a thing this is, yeah. again, in, in time, you know, it, it's just a matter of time. I really do believe. Yeah. And I think this is a perfect opportunity, like we were talking about earlier, where, you know, it's it's so important to just kind of face your fear. Right. And and not to like go and do something irresponsible, but, you know, face your fear as in, you know, like we're in a situation you can't really run from, you know. So so it's practice. It's practice to where it's like, okay, how can I and that's what I try to do with my students, too, like. How can you pick one little thing to like step outside your comfort zone and reassure yourself like, okay, it's actually okay. Like, Yeah. You know, I think the more success you have when you face it, that, that, that for me anyway, that's sort of what's built the confidence and, Mm -hmm. and look, even the failures along the way too, you know, just trying to learn from those as well, instead of getting all all defeated, you know, like when I had trouble, you know, leaving the house, uh, you know, so I'd go out and you know, just, you know, drive a little bit further and, you know, and maybe I would feel, you know, a lot more anxiety, but instead of beating myself up and, 
and kind of coming down on myself and being, oh, I, I really felt it. I didn't feel so good. It's kind of taking a more optimistic look and saying, well, you know what? I felt it, but look, I, I went a lot further. I stayed out a lot longer and, and I handled it and I'm still alive, you know, yeah. and, and just taking all those little steps to, you know, ultimately just, again, build the confidence and, and, and get back on the road to recovery. Yes, for sure. For sure. And I, and I love that, that strategy. I did the same thing. Um, I used to, my anxiety wasn't, um, really across the board, but it was with driving. And so when you bring that up, I relate to it so much because I, I mean, I recall an instance where I got, I, I apparently had such a bad panic attack. I blacked out while driving. I still, still made it. I like, when I came to, it was like, I was still driving, but like I had no recollection and there was somebody else in the car with me. But it was, yeah, it was just like, oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> like, and that can feel really scary. But at the same time, you know, it it was like, I think in that instance, I definitely pushed myself much further than like I was ready to go rather than taking those those baby steps and be and and encouraging yourself in the process of, you know, even if it's like I took two steps today. And then I turned around and went back like, sweet. Hey, you took those two steps. Yeah. And, you know, with the driving thing, too, I would say, you know, and this certainly helped me is I started off by having what I called, you know, my safe person in the car with me, like you yeah. kind of just described. So it was you know, my wife or my mom or whoever it was just, you know, sitting there with me because that was my biggest fear, too, is, oh, my God, I'll be driving and, and I'm going to pass out. You know, I'm going to die right here in the middle of the highway yeah. and I'm going to cause this huge, you know, uh, 10 car pile up and all this you know awful stuff so I started out you know on those long stretches of highway you know having somebody by my side you know and uh, then eventually you know uh, they would go a a car length you know behind me and then a a mile behind me and and then in front of me and you know just all these different little scenarios to the point where eventually you know you can kind of go out there and you know have the confidence to to do it on, on your own it's just a matter of taking all of those those baby steps and and i know that the drive the driving one you know i I feel your pain it's a tough one you know i had an instance one time and and i'm sure you could relate to this where i'll never forget this i was driving on a stretch of highway and i just passed the exit right and i had a Mm -hmm. like five more miles to the next exit and for some reason as soon as i passed that exit you know all of a sudden it was like Oh my God, you know, what am I doing? I need to get off. And I'll never forget, I stopped the car in the emergency lane. And literally, it took me like 20, 30 minutes to go in reverse very slowly in the emergency exit, you know, the the side lane and just crawl my way to that exit (laughs) to get off. Because I just, because I knew in my mind, well, if I go, you know, that five miles, forget it. I'm not going to make it. (laughs) So it's amazing the crazy things it makes us do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Oh, gosh. Yeah. Like, because when I was driving too, like it was, you know, it wasn't phones. It was like you printed out your map quest directions and like, <laughs> heaven forbid there was a detour. <laughs> like, right. I'm like, I'm lost. Sure. I'm forever lost. I'm never getting home. <laughs> and for me, I, you know, I had a, a similar thing where I had the paper map and I yeah. had it marked. Well, here's the fire stations. Here's the police stations. Here's the hospitals. Because those were safety points in my mind. You know, well, yeah. if I get real panicky, these people can help me. <laughs> you know, they can make me feel better. Yeah. And now I just kind of look back and, you know, you just have to laugh at yourself. But, you know, at the time, hey, if this is what helps you get out there, you do it, you know, and that's okay. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that, that support. And I like just want to encourage everybody listening that like 
this is the kind of stuff that you can come back from, that you can, you know, make it out of. And it doesn't have to be forever. And you'll at some point get to look back and be like, wow, <laughs> wow, I was doing that. <laughs> um, but I... Yeah, I think sometimes the the hardest part with asking for support, especially with stuff like this, is because it's things that you're supposed to like a like a normal person, you know, quote unquote, a normal person can do. And you're like, I shouldn't have to like there's almost shame around it. You're like, I shouldn't have to have somebody be like, like, can you sit in the car with me while I try to drive around the block? You know, like when you're like 20 or 30, like. So I think that's we have to kind of let that go a little bit and just be like, it's okay to get support. It's just like somebody who's going through physical therapy. You know, we're not going to stand there and shame them because they're not walking yet because, you know, something happened and they need to now kind of rehabilitate. It's the same with your brain. We just can't see it. And so we feel maybe ashamed of it or like we should have it better. Yeah, you know, it's just because I'm well, I'm not in a cast or I'm not on crutches yeah. or it's something you can't see. It's like all of a sudden we, you know, play it down like, oh, well, now it's it's not a real thing and, and we shouldn't, you know, have to ask for help. And and that's ridiculous. You know, and for the longest time, I felt the same exact way. I couldn't, you know, well, what? Ask somebody for help. Tell, you know, what if they find out? You know, what are they yeah. going to think? You know, and like I'm some crazy monster or something like that. And, and you know, and I'm not i wouldn't say i'm perfect with it you know still every once in a while i i still you know uh i can do most you know just about most everything you know on my own fairly comfortable these days but every once in a while i'll still get into a situation and i'm certainly not afraid to say to someone hey you know would you mind just helping me out you know like uh not too long ago one that still gives me trouble is just kind of going way up high in a building right and you know it's like once i get up there I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. In fact, I like looking out. I'm, I'm okay once I can calm down. But just initially getting up there is hard. And I, I had to go into this building one time, and I'm, like, standing there at the bank of elevators in the lobby, and I'm just waiting for somebody, right? Someone's <laughs> got to come to ride up with me. I'm like, darn it, nobody's coming, and I'm just standing here. And there was a security guard, and he's just, like, looking at me like, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good, right? And then finally, I just, I, I, you know, I just took a lot, but I said, Hey, look, you know, I I just went up to him and said, look, I've got an issue with heights. They really set me off in the elevators. Would you mind just riding up with me? And he was like, yeah, okay, no problem. You know? And and I just played it up like, Oh, I can't ask him. And what's he going to think of me? (laughs) And, you know, and, and people are usually, you know, more than happy to help. Yeah. And even if it's somebody that is a complete stranger, like, can you imagine if somebody like if if it, if the roles were reversed and somebody came up to you, would you be like, nah, man, you should be able to go up the elevator by yourself. Like, right. Of course. Right. You would help. You would do yeah, whatever you could to assist that person. Yeah. And and that's what people generally are willing to do for you. And they and they don't think, you know, that you're weird or strange or or, or different. You know, it's that, that, that that's just ourselves telling telling us these crazy things that oh they're not gonna like me they're gonna think i'm weird they're gonna you know and and that's just all made up you know because the reality is at least what i've noticed is the more people that i do tell or the more people that that i let on you know i always they always come back and the reaction is oh yeah you know i i too have this problem where i can't do this or oh yeah i know someone you know my Mm -hmm. mom she also has trouble with this and it's like wow, you realize how many people, you know, or more people than we realize, you know, have, have these issues. Yeah, we can, we, we're, we're so less alone than we think we are. Like we can, we all can relate on so many levels. It's, it's whether it's through ourselves or somebody else that we know. And 
nine times out of 10, what that person is seeing, like when we're, you know, if we're standing there being like, they're going to think that I'm like helpless, that it's, this is pathetic or whatever it is, you know, what do they see? Somebody asking for help. Mm-hmm. Like and, a- and, and you know what, too, the, the other side of it, too, is I always tell myself, well, if I need to ask for help, chances are, you know, in many cases, I'm, I'm not going to see this person again, right? <laughs> if, if I had to ask the security guy for help going up the elevator, it's like, okay, so whatever, even if I feel a little awkward, you know, am I ever going to see that person again? Maybe, but probably not. And yeah. so what if they think I'm, I'm a little strange, you know, so yeah. that's okay. Yeah. And, and you know what, if you saw him again and you were like, Hey, can I get some help with the elevator again? He'd be like, yeah, I remember you. Like, sure. of course, right? So what? That's okay. Exactly. Exactly. People are just, I think, yeah, we, we play it up. So, especially when you're dealing with anxiety, we create just full blown scenarios of like, like all, apparently we all become clairvoyant and we know what everybody's thinking and how they're judging us <laughs> and like everything. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, just let's not. Yeah, that, that was me you know, for the longest time. And just for years, it's like, nobody can know. I can't let on. I've got to appear like everything's fine. You know, I got to look normal. I'm not shaky. I'm not nervous. I'm not anxious. Nobody can ever find out. And it was like a big secret. I just didn't want anybody to know. And, you know, then it just got to the point uh, where, you know, we started hearing a lot more about mental health in the news. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of well-known people taking their own lives. And Mm -hmm. I think it just hit me one day. I said, you know, I'm not doing myself justice. I'm certainly not doing anybody else out there justice by kind of staying quiet and and not sharing my story and and just trying to to offer people hope and and to know that they're they're not alone. And that's kind of why, you know, I wrote my book and, and decided to come out with it. Yeah. And I'm so curious and I don't know if, if you have the answer to this, but do you do you feel like men maybe have a harder time, you know, because it is such an emotional based thing? Do you think that men maybe have a, a tougher time kind of coming to terms with that? Absolutely. I, I, I do believe that. And I know I personally did because when it first started happening to me, you know, when things were getting really bad and I was looking at all the statistics and everything that I have read, you know, it said, sure, you know, men can suffer, but everything I was reading, it was just, you know, predominantly, it seemed like it was way more women than men. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm thinking to myself, great, you know, not only am I feeling bad from the anxiety, but of course, you know, I'm going to be the one guy, right, that this has to happen to. So I definitely think, you know, because, you know, and I think the way we're just programmed is, you know, we've got to be strong and macho and ironclad and and what you know something with our emotions how can that be you know that that's a sign of weakness and and that definitely made it a, a lot more difficult uh, you know to to talk about you know and i think a reason certainly why i, I didn't want to you know didn't want anybody to know it's it's just because i felt you know even you know even weaker just the the, the fact that that i was a man you know and it's like mm-hmm. oh that that can't happen to me it's not supposed to happen so definitely yeah, and I uh, this is something that has been hitting home for me so much recently as well. It's just the way that society and culture has painted this like, like perfect picturesque. Like we're all supposed to hit this ideal, but those ideals aren't real. You know what I mean? Like especially even even for men, like just the the fact that you're and I women fall into this too, where it's like I have to be strong. I have to you know I have to like not you know, I have to pull myself together, but especially for men, you know, it's not even just being strong. It's like, don't show emotion at all. 
And yeah. why have we made that a bad thing? Why have we not made strength showing emotion and moving through that right. emotion and being vulnerable? Right. And so, right. I, yeah. And, you know, and if, if we don't, it just gets worse. You know, if we mm-hmm. don't talk about it, if we don't reach out, you know, for help, it doesn't just magically, you know, the problems don't just disappear. They don't go away on their own. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you know, they, they tend to only get worse. And, you know, we've seen, like I said, over the last few years where it just gets so bad to the point where we've seen a number of people, you know, Robin Williams, you yeah. know, who would have thought, you know, I mean, seemed like the, the funniest, you know, such a talented actor, you know, comedian, who would have ever thought, you know, you never would have, you know, you know place the finger on that one and 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 there you go there you go and just it's a shame that just if you know he could have gotten the the help he needed and you know it's it it really is and and just to see people you know end up like that it's sad and again that's also why i just came forward because i don't want to see people get to that point and you know luckily i i was never close to that point of you know ending it all but you you read the horror stories you see the statistics it's something that people unfortunately do when we we have the power to to stop that you know and 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 get to it before it gets to that point yeah and i think i i admire and appreciate you sharing your story so much because that's that's what it takes too is for people to be able to see more instances of Oh, this person has experienced it and finding those those commonalities and not feeling alone because somebody chose to open up and share their story. And even with Robin Williams, that hit home for me so hard because I like we all I was there anybody who didn't love Robin Williams. <laughs> um, but you know, I and it, it made so much sense to me too because even when I was at my darkest, even when I you know attempted suicide multiple times, I was still trying to make other people happy, trying to make other people laugh. Like that was that was my MO. Was like, well, I can't do it for myself, so I'll do it for everybody else. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's and and that's yeah. And again, the only way to, you know, to to stop that is just more people to, you know, come out and and talk about it and encourage others to to do the same. And, and, you know, and that's, again, why I did this book. Um, You know, it's funny. I had people say to me, well, you know, did you you want to become a bestseller? Are you trying to make a lot of money writing the book? I'm like, no, it's none of those things. I just I wrote it just to share the story in, in hopes that. Hey, if it helps one person or two people, then hey, I've I've done something good. I've I've given back, and that's that's the only reason I I did it. Oh my gosh, I love that. That's the reason I started this podcast, and I just yep. like I your book is just going to keep growing and 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 reaching more and more people. You know, it it will, and um, I love that it started with a even if it's just one or two, because it that's where yeah. it starts, and then it snowballs from there. And I think. Your your approach too is just so real and so honest and so relatable and I respect that so much because we've got enough you know like clinical and in sciency and like this is how you should do it and it's like let's just get real people being super honest about what this feels like and how to move through it. Yeah, you know, and it, it was funny. I was uh, I'll, I'll even admit to this day, you know, I still get a little iffy on on the title and, and and just so people know, it wasn't done to be disrespectful or to sort of poke fun at anybody, you no. know, with a mental health. I'm I'm certainly not saying, "Hey, you got to pull that stick out <laughs> and get better," but 
you know, it was really done to, you know, I, I was just looking at all the self-help books out there, right? And then there's mm-hmm. a lot of phenomenal ones. And I really just didn't want to write another book that got lost in the sea of, you know, self-help books. That, yeah. that was really the, the biggest thing. And really, when I when I say pull the stick out, it, it's the way that I view it anyway, is that there's sort of more of the medical side and more of the behavioral side to a lot of this and and i'm focusing more on that behavioral side right when i say you know i'm talking about taking control of you know your thoughts and emotions and and your behavior i'm certainly not addressing the part of it where it talks about things like you know chemical makeup or balances or anything like that Mm -hmm. so just just to be clear it's done and you know to, to take something that's very serious and just to try to hopefully, you know, uh, educate, but also at the same time, make it a, a little bit, you know, uh, lighthearted and, and relatable for people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, again, like my listeners know, I so relate to this approach. <laughs> I mean, I talk about, like, you know, things not being unicorn farts and like meditating when you're on the toilet. Like, I'm just like, you know, like, it's just, let's just get real. And uh, I love, I love that you went with something so, um, just so like loud and proud, you know what I mean? Because I think yeah. I think it is fantastic, and I think honestly, in order for us to overcome um, mental illnesses, it requires a level of fun and a le- a level of relaxing and and not taking it so seriously because it's why we're there in the first place. Yeah, that and those were again some of my darkest days was it was when I was taking it so seriously Mm -hmm. just you know beating myself up on how I was feeling and you know why my my closest friends you know they're out there progressing you know in their careers and and, you know meeting the spouse of their dreams you know getting married and starting families and I'm like here I was you know at the time in my you know mid-20s and I'm like I just want to leave the house I just want to get on the highway I can't I just want to you know do these little things and and I think you know that's right to your point you know if you just it it is a serious thing but you can't be a hundred percent serious about it all the time or it's just going to eat you alive Oh, I yeah. think you just have to just, again, lighten up a little bit and just have some fun. And I think that's just good advice in general with, with mm-hmm. most things in life anyway. Yeah, it takes the pressure off. Absolutely. I mean, that's like I've talked about things like gratitude and I'm like, you know, it sounds super great when people are like, I'm grateful to be alive and I'm grateful for the sunshine. <laughs> and like I remember one day like my I call them gratitude nuggets. My gratitude nugget was I'm like my kid threw up all over me multiple times. <laughs> And, oh, no. and I, my gratitude nugget was that it did not get in my mouth <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it helped me find the positive in a really rough situation. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, I think that's where, you know, if you have a little fun with it, if you take the pressure off, you know, it, it allows more of that light in, it allows you to, to be able to think more positively without it being like so intense. Right. You know, that's what I was, that was my thinking. You know, I was like, look, I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. You know, I'm just a, an ordinary average guy who, who knows, you know, something about anxiety and, and panic attacks because it's something that I've dealt with. And if I can just, you know, kind of give back in a fun and relatable way, then that's, that's really what they set out to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love that. And I know you were kind of speaking to, you know, the, the, the chemical side of things, but I always love bringing up the point that, you know, our behaviors influence the chemical makeup in our bodies. 
Like when we do things that make us happy, it triggers certain chemicals. And so, you know, by doing the behavioral things, we do get to influence what's going on in the inside, even though we may not see it or or necessarily know it. Um, But I think, too, that's sometimes that's how we I mean, this is just my opinion, but I think that's how we get the imbalance in the first place. You know, when you worry so much and you feel so stressed out for so much of your life, how are you not going to end up with some kind of imbalance that leads to, you know, bipolar anxiety or depression? Um, yeah, you know, you're around it long enough or you just live a certain way for such a long time. It, exactly. I, I agree with you that it has to, you know, have some kind of effect on the on the body and on that chemical makeup. And mm-hmm. uh, again, I'm, I'm certainly not surprised, you know, just looking back at, you know, my upbringing that, that certainly that's what happened to me. And, and again, I think you're right. I do think that a lot of the behaviors certainly have a lot to do, you know, with that chemical makeup or what goes on, you know, inside the brain. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh, this is so great. Is there any um, last, you know, like tidbit advice you'd like to leave for everyone today? You know, I would just say again, the, the biggest thing is just please, you know, understand that you're definitely not alone and and i know this sounds so cliche too when when people always say well if i can get over this if i can do it so can you but i really wholeheartedly believe that in in this situation i mean i just can't that look it's it's very possible people have you know been through worse than 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 i've been through i I recognize that but i certainly had it pretty bad and was you know severely limited in in what i could do and and again just know that if i can do this it's doable it's definitely doable and i would just say you know definitely you know just reach out to any anyone you feel comfortable with any avenue to get that help whether it's you know going down the path of a a mental health professional whether it's you know a coaching program like you offer Mm -hmm. uh you know whether it's just confiding in in a close friend or spouse or just whatever you have to do to just you know take a real hands-on approach and 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 deal with it just don't you know expect it to just oh it's magically gonna just get better on its own because it usually doesn't yeah and even if your first step is like you know reading your book like that's still a step to get support and i think a lot of people kind of start in that way too um but thank you for sharing that yeah i agree it's one of those things where you're like, I can do it and so can you. Like, we're not X-Men, okay? Like, we, <laughs> there's, there's nothing, like, superhuman going on here. You know, we're just people and you're people and we all get to do this. So, oh, my goodness. Right. I'm just, you know, I'm just, again, a, an ordinary average person, you know, with a regular job and a family. I don't have superhuman powers or anything like that. And I just know, you know, where I was at, at one time. And and I just, again, it, it does sound so easy to say that, but it, I you definitely, anybody can, you know, with the with the right help, uh, certainly, you know, tackle this and, and make a recovery. For sure, for sure. Well, can you tell everyone um, where they can find your book and where they can follow you or things on social? Yeah, absolutely. So the website for the book is just pullthestick.com, and the book is available on Amazon right now as an ebook. And then July 21st, the hard copy comes out. And from what I'm told, it'll be in about 30 Barnes and Noble stores. Not that anybody's going to the stores these days, (laughs) but it'll be there. So uh, yeah, excited about that. That's amazing. That's exciting. Congrats. Yeah, thanks. 
Awesome. And then are you on social? Is there anywhere they can follow you? I am. Um, you know, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. I kind of just play around with. And I don't know what I'm doing much on the Twitter <laughs> side and on LinkedIn. And, and my kids are on Instagram and I don't even try to mess with that stuff. But, <laughs> <you> know. <laughs> no worries. Well, that's wonderful. And I'll make sure to have the links in the show notes as well um, that people can go to. But thank you so much again for coming on the show, Bruce. It has been just an absolutely wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for having me. All right, my friends, that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I love you so much. As always, you keep saying Simply Awesome. I'll keep saying Simply Ollie, and I'll chat with you on the next pod. Bye.